Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the Clubhouse. Yeah, we're back. Welcome to the Clubhouse. Great to have your company. My name's Julian Bayard. Mark Allen is here as always, and we're talking all things golf. Ooh, it's getting a little bit wet out there. Marco Winter is coming. Just still a, uh, a phrase from Game of Thrones, <laughs> but uh, it's getting a little bit damp. But uh, still lots of golf to be played and a huge tournament on this weekend, which Ma- we're going to get started. Uh, Jules, good to see you. Yeah, the Players' Championship is massive. I yep. love it. Every single year, I really enjoy the tournament. Uh, we sp- well, I think we spoke about this golf course, Sawgrass, what, about two weeks ago? That's, yeah. I mean... That's how good it is. That that's is how, how good it is. exciting it is. It's, it made, I, I agree. Big money. Yep. I mean, it was the first tournament to get the 10 million US dollars. I think, you know, 10 years ago, it was at 10 million US dollars. It used to have a 10-year exemption. So this is what the PGA Tour was doing yeah. to, to really ramp it up a bit. So I think Steve Elkington was the last winner of the 10-year <laughs> exemption. So, I mean, that is just... I mean, it's an enormous... It's a, it's a fair carrot. You understand golf. <laughs> I know you do. You can fall off the perch yeah. real quick. Yeah. I mean, Trevor Immelman, for instance, he won the US Masters. These days, he's in the 1500s in the world. Yeah. And it's not long after he won that tournament. So, what, six years, seven years? Something something, something like that. Trevor Immelman, he's at the top of the world, got a green jacket in the closet, mm-hmm. and now... He's in the 1500s. So the 10-year exemption was enormous. The 10 million prize fund is enormous. Yep. The only thing that's not enormous is it's not a major. Now, And their greens aren't if enormous. If we were talking <laughs> women's golf, right, because yeah. no one knows what happens there yep. as far as the majors are concerned. They change Please every change. year. Yep. They change every we year. We talked about that. We don't even know the name of them mm. from year to year, but they are considered majors. Good luck to the girls. Yep. This would be a major. If if mm. if the same people are running it, and I think it will be a major one day, just like uh, Arnold Palmer's 1958 Masters victory, at the time in 1958 it wasn't considered a major. By 1960, you know the US writers got together and said, okay, come on, let's work this out. Yeah, you know, the majors. You can't have two US amateurs. Come on, guys. You can't have a US amateur and, a, and an amateur championship. The British amateur and the British mm-hmm. Open and the US Open. They can't be majors. Let's let's ramp this up a bit. Yeah. So Masters and the PGA became majors. I think golf's ready. Yep. I mean, I think five majors make sense. Mm-hmm. It uh, gives Greg Norman a major. Yep. Well done, Greg. <laughs> Good on it you, Gives uh, Steve Elkington two majors, two more. So he's got. Uh, it would he'd have two players and and also Ricky. the PGA. Gives Ricky your next. Ricky <laughs> Fowl is what his first major. <laughs> well done, you, Ricky. He's the defending champion, of course. He is. Yep. And uh, got rolled last week he in his did. high tops and his rolled up pants. Yeah. You know when you wear that stuff and you get beaten, it makes you look silly. No, I like it. 
I like it a lot. If you start wearing high tops and your pants roll, I don't mind you rolling your pants up. Yeah. No worries. But just wear your normal golf shoes, will you? I, I, I think it's good, Marco. I think he's bringing a bit of style. I've, I've told you this off air before, but I follow yeah, him on Snapchat. It's called poor style. I follow him on Snapchat, Ricky Fowler. One of the You're more, a big Snapchat man, One of the eh? most interesting characters of all time, Ricky Fowler. I, love, I reckon he's fantastic. He's an interesting character. Fantastic. What part Good of for his... golf. Good for golf. Oh, marker. yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. All yep. that. You know, when he came out, he came out and played in the Master of the Amateurs. And the year he came out, it was at Yarra Yarra. Yeah. And he was as big as you. Right? So he was you know, lightly, lightly mm. built. Yep. I'm not saying that you're smaller than me. I'm no, just that's, saying that no, that's you don't have more a, than fair. no fat on you whatsoever. Yep. This guy into the wind. Now, the 18th of Yarra Yarra, a lot of people have played. It's not a long par five by any stretch of the imagination here. It drives uphill and the second mm-hmm. shot's slightly uphill. If I'm playing and it's no wind, it's a drive and, and probably my five would these days. Yep. He was playing into a two-club wind mm-hmm. on the final hole in the playoffs. He'd drive a nine-iron <laughs> to that hole yeah. when he was a jockey. Yep. So he's always been able to bomb it. Mm. And the work that he's done with Butch Harmon's been phenomenal. And Butch, Butch just has the magic, mate. I can promise you that. But yeah, he's got a major two in my world. This is golf according to the clubhouse, basically. Yeah. So he'd have a major, and Adam Scott, he's got two. Yeah. Uh, Masters and the Players Championship. Mm-hmm. So I, look, I it's think it, I think it'll happen one day. Yep. I do, and I think it should happen too. And then the other one, of course, is that PGA becomes a rolling major. So the PGA every two years mm-hmm. is played in America. And you know, maybe let's say it's the odd years, yeah. it goes around the world. Goes around. Goes around the world. So like you get play one down here. Yeah, the PGA. Well they you know, all the majors are doing it. Yeah. So the only major really with the prefix these days is the US Open. Yep. Because you've got the Open Championship, mm-hmm. the Masters, uh, the US PGA, that it will become the PGA. Yep. And be played around the world. Even this week, the players. It's not even the players championship anymore, it's just called the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and the US Open will keep the prefix. But that is that is it. So in a perfect world, you have that fifth major, probably still be the fifth. Yeah, that's in. If the Players' Championship was put in amongst yeah. the majors, then I think the PGA goes from being the fourth major to the fifth major. You reckon they elevates? Yep. Really? I, I think mm-hmm. so. I think so. Yep. I think it would be the, f- you know, it would be the... Uh, the fifth, it would come fifth, unless of course it starts going around the world. Yeah, and then, then that, it changes. Then it changes. Yep. Then it becomes international, or more international. Yeah, because I think still, I think still to this day they have twenty club pros playing in the <laughs> USPGA. I mean, come on, come on, guys! Imagine if there were twenty club pros playing at Wimbledon. I mean, <laughs> get them in there. We would laugh. You would laugh at Wimbledon. You go, what the hell sort of a tournament is this? Yep. For a long, long time, the USPGA has had. 20 club pros teeing it up. I mean, what a joke. Come on, guys. Seriously. What an absolute <laughs> joke. Yep. So that needs to clean up its act, and that'd be a great way to do it. Hey, uh, congratulations to James Hahn, we should say, Marco. Eight missed cuts in a row yep. before he won last week. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, second win in two years. And you know what you said about – oh, sorry to digress a little bit. Yeah, you know sorry. what you said about the Olympics, about how anyone could win it? Yeah. Just goes to show, doesn't Just it? Just goes to show. Quail Hollow, it's a big tournament now. Yep. Good players playing. Um. It just goes to show. Imagine if James Hahn won the, or someone of that ilk. Yeah. You know, look, anyway, let's not digress. Hey, did you see the vision, Marco, of Jason Kokrak, the man with the best name in golf? It's an unusual name. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Wells Fargo, 18th, hit his shot right into the hospitality tents. Yes. The ball ended up on the second deck of the hospitality tent. Right. People cleared out. 
middle of the floor next to the bar. He was playing his shot, chipped out, had an opening onto the green, got it to within about 10 feet. It was unbelievable. And, and then, rolled it? And then two mud. Oh. <laughs> Imagine the One cheer the if he's got up and down. Shots. Jump online if you haven't seen it. Uh, Jason right. Kokrak, Wells Fargo, 18th hole. And have a look at this camera angle. As you can imagine, now everyone's got their phone. Yeah, yeah. There's camera angles everywhere from inside the uh, inside oh, the I love hospitality that stuff. tent. I love the stories. I love the. I always love the outside story. I love that sort of stuff. Did you see the James Hahn story about uh, before he you know became a winner on the yeah. tour? He was selling shoes. Yep. A bit like uh, Al Bundy. <laughs> he was you know going to work every day in a tie, selling loafers. Yep. I mean, there is. <laughs> since married with children was getting around, there has been no lower ebb in US, uh, in the US economy than a shoe salesman. Yeah, and James Harm was a shoe salesman mm-hmm. for a long, long time. And it was funny in the playoff. Um, the bloke he was playing in the playoff. Oh, I forgot his name. Castro is his name. Yep, sounded like he was from Puerto Rico or yeah. something, but Fidel. he's not. <laughs> no, no relation. Um, he hit a bloke in the head, and it ended up in someone's shoe. So I'm kind of got my eye on what's going on. I'm reading the papers, got my eye on the TV, what's, yeah. what's happening. And I'm thinking, oh, they're dragging out this shoe story a little bit too much, <laughs> you know? We're really going to cross to a pair of shoes on the yeah. ground? But um, no, he hit the bloke in the head and he ended up in the shoe. And this poor Castro, bloke, he loses the playoff after making a real mess of the hole. Hold a 10-footer yeah. for a five. Had to put his hand inside someone else's <laughs> shoe. Not <laughs> ideal. How low does it get? Not ideal. <laughs> I bet the bloke wasn't wearing socks either. Oh, no way. He had to squeeze the Titleist. I hope the, he wasn't wearing socks. I think he's a tailor-made man. He had to squeeze it out. Yeah. What a disaster. Shocking. What's the weirdest place you've ever had to hit a shot from, Mark? Uh, I climbed a tree once. Did you? Sergio yeah. style. Sergio style. Bernard Langer style. Yeah. Yeah, I had to climb a tree. Um, it, well, I didn't have to get too high off the air, but then I just tapped it out because the dropping zone, the, the grass was too long. Okay. So I... I Thought I'd take a risk. I yeah. was going to miss the cut anyway. How'd you go? No, I stuffed it right up. <laughs> you get it out of the tree at least? Yeah, it came out of the tree in one go, but it went straight to the place I was trying to avoid. Yeah. So that's no good. No good. No, that's no good <laughs> so at all. So might as well just taking the drop? Yeah. yeah. No, no, no good at all. Have you been noticing the different flags that are on the leaderboards these days? Different flags as in? As in the game of golf is becoming very international. Oh, I see. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know, the, even the you European... Don't just, you don't just see... Seven U.S. flags and then maybe a Australian Not flag. Not as or a much. Yeah, you know, on the really U.S. courses where a low score wins, yeah. and the greens are very grainy uh, with the Bermuda style grass mm-hmm. and the greens. Yeah, you'll see a lot of American flags in those tournaments. But um, the European Tour these days. I mean, I know the tournament was in Morocco, um, but that European Tour it used to be dominated by the English, Scottish, yep. or Irish flag, or you know the English flag as well. I think I, I mentioned the Wales flag. These days, you don't see too many of them. Mm. You see flags from Korea. You see flags from, um, you know, all parts of the world. You see flags I've never seen before. Yep. Uh, you reckon that's good? I think it's fantastic. I think it is fantastic. I think it's fantastic, and I think it's good for a uh, rep- little bit of representative golf. President's yeah. Cup style, going to be more yeah. competitive. Yeah. I, th- I think it's great. So, seeing that the Olympics haven't even been played yet, mm. do you think golf's been coming international itself without... You know, needing to be in the Olympics? I don't think it needs to be in the Olympics. No. But it's becoming... No it's, one. The popularity of it is... And its diversity now yeah. is so much better than what it has been. Yeah. Gee, I can't wait for the World Cup of Golf too, Marco. 
Yeah, Kingston Heath. Yeah, your it's course. Be huge. It will be huge. Um, and they've actually got the uh, World Cup in the foyer at Kingston Heath. Do they? Yeah, so if you're planning Just on visiting any time soon, yeah, go next to it. Go get yourself a photo. Big cup. I don't yeah. know how two blokes would carry it. Um, but look, I told. I think I told you last week, I was in a pretty privileged spot last week. You were. Any and, development on that? Uh, of course, we're talking about the changes of the rules. Changes of the right? rules. Yeah. Uh, not as yet, but uh, certainly... I think it's going to happen. Mm. I think, and if you missed the show last week, they're talking about getting rid of the drop. And if you, instead of having a penalty drop these days, you'll get a penalty place. Yep. And a lot of other rules just to make the game simple and, you know, common sense stuff that Fair. the game has lacked for 150 years. Yep. Becoming more, you know. Modernising it. Yeah, modernising the rules. And, you know, if the book, the rules of golf, if, if the book is 100 pages, they're trying to get it back to about 30 pages, yep. which makes a lot it's more tough sense reading at the moment, to everybody. It's tough to read it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Why would you? Hey, uh, Why would you read it? We've got to get to a break, but Donald Trump's hit back at cheating claims. Remember we talked about this last week from Oscar De La Hoya? Oh, there's more to this story. He has hit back, and it's only fair... Yeah. voice his side of the story, yeah, Mark. We need balance. We <laughs> desperate. This program needs balance. And it's Jules. fascinating listening. You'll hear that next on The Clubhouse. Good. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Welcome back to The Clubhouse, broadcasting across Australia, talking all things golf. And, well, last week, Marco, we'd like to have a bit of fun yeah. at Donald Trump's expense, which is probably we're not the only ones in the world doing that. It's good fun. And he's he loves his golf, Trump, and he owns and he many, He also cheats at golf. Well, allegedly. Well, allegedly Oscar De La Hoya said last week that he cheated at golf. If in case you missed it last week, De La Hoya said that Trump once came up to him on the first chance and said, can I play with you? Uh, Trump then proceeded to hit his first three balls, two in the water, two out of bounds, yep. um, picked up the fourth ball, hit that out of bounds as well, and then said, oh, I'm going to go and try and find it. Got in his cart, drove ahead, Oscar De La Hoya hit his ball, walked Walks up. up. Trump goes, oh, here's my first ball in the yeah. middle of the fairway. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. and did, did it again uh, not long later with the uh, second shot. Yep. <laughs> Somewhere on one of his golf courses. And then... Proceeded to walk up, ball was six inches away from the hole, and said, "By the way, that's a it's gimme." Gimme, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, right. Donald so Trump's, Trump's hit back because you know this is really important because I, I, I remember when I was living in the states. I lived through one of the elections a hundred yeah. years ago. Um, there was a thing, and it was circulating um, then that the the people who were members of golf clubs are percentage-wise, yeah. the ones who vote. Mm. Because you don't have to vote over you there. Don't, you don't no. have to vote. But they found that the people who were members of golf clubs or country clubs, they call them over there, they were the people that tended to vote. So this is very important. Mm. This must be on Donald's mind, because what's he said All in right. reply to Oscar? Quote, not only didn't I cheat, I didn't even play with him, Trump said. I've never played a round of golf with this guy. Trump told the Associated Press on Thursday he respects the game too much to cheat and he's good enough to have won a number of club championships. Trump, who owns 18 golf courses, says De La Hoya is lying about him because he wants to tell tickets to the fight that he's promoting. Um, quote, he's absolutely lying, Trump said. Golf is an important thing, and I felt I had to say something. I told him I have something else to do. I can imagine that's after uh, Trump's... Yeah, uh, offered him tickets right, to his right, fight. Right, right, right. right. Did, did go, just go back to about the third sentence there. Did he say he's good enough to win several club championships? <laughs> That's exactly what At he said. At what level? Uh, C grade or D grade? Trump, a low handicapper who says he hasn't played golf in the two months recently because of the campaign, said Delahoya did play Trump National in a celebrity match against comedian George Lopez in 2010. Quote, he played terribly, Trump said. I walked with them but didn't play I'm a much better golfer than him anyway. 
He's a, uh, he's good a crazy on him. character. Good on him. Have you seen it? Like the golf course that I played um, with uh, with the Trump name on it was Trump National, and it was in San Diego. Yeah. And it, the way it was designed, it was designed on the side of a hill. Yeah. So all 18 holes had a view of the Pacific, which was just beautiful. Mm. I mean, you couldn't imagine it. Now, a lot of these golf courses uh, that they build on the side of hills, the, I don't know what's going on with the designers, but they make the fairways like – unreasonable yep. you need a bit of space yeah. because you're on the side of a hill it's kind of like you know a rice farm you know there's a there's a fairway <laughs> a then there's level. a drop off and then there's another fairway then there's a drop off um, they're, they're kind of unfair and they had um, a lot of hazard lines which which I think was quite smart one thing the Americans do very very well is if there is an area that is considered a place where you're going to lose your ball they'll just mark it as a hazard yep. so there are lots of golf courses in this country that could take a leaf out of that book Yes, because you know it's not, it's not water. It's not, um, it's not thick bush, but it's just rubbish. And you don't want people going in there. Yeah. So spending twenty minutes trying yeah, to find their so ball. Yeah. So just make it a hazard line. Yep. Call it a hazard, and you know it's kind of like it's the same thing as an, as an Irish drop. Then, except you're doing it within the rules of the game. Yep. But the one thing I will never ever forget about playing Trump National is that on the first hole, he had this. Fred Flintstone type setup where he had a cave that you drove your golf buggy through that was fake. It was a fake Fred Flintstone-y type backdrop to the first hole that just didn't need to be there. Yeah. We were all taken like the course was amazing. The views were unbelievable. And that's the thing that sticks in my mind. They yeah. had a fake Clive Fred Palmer Coolum dinosaur style. Equivalent too. <laughs> Equivalent too. I mean, clearly you need to be a nutbag to own a golf course. But why yes. that was there, I'll never know. But it was very, very strange. Yeah. It didn't need to be there. But if you get a chance to play to play Trump National, go and do it because the views are unbelievable. Um, and it's also the golf course where Phil Mickelson made his uh, cameo on Entourage. Remember he was That's playing the right. big money game? And old mate died. That's the golf course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He died on the golf course. That's right. Did Phil slink off? After the bloke died um, on the golf course? He sort of didn't play much more of a role in the nah, episode that was after it. that. After that, that was it. Yeah. He was trying to act too. Oh, you know? horrible. He was no good. Oh, mate, turns out he was a better golfer as a lefty like, than he was as a righty. And in the background, in the background, yeah, in the background yeah. he was, you know, had the mouth open type stuff going, huh? Oh, what? <laughs> what? What did he just say? Nah. <laughs> Stick to golf, Phil. Come on, Phil. Stick to golf. <laughs> hey, Stick to golf. Fascinating chat you had during the week, Mark. Yeah, now, one of the new golf courses. Oh, it's not a new golf. It's a new development. Now, Kingswood Golf Club uh, was you know, a very a, a great members golf course in mm-hmm. Melbourne for a long time. And uh, it went the way of the dodo, unfortunately. But what they have done, they've teamed up with Peninsula. So now it's the Kingswood Peninsula Golf Course, 36 holes, and Ogilvy Clayton, uh, Cocking and Mead have now redeveloped it. So, Marco, during the week you caught up with Marcus Fraser, one of our best golfers in Australia on your Chasing Birdies program. Craig Spence was in there and also Michael Cocking, who is part of the redesign team. They were great to listen to, mm-hmm. great to hear about a new development and the integrity of trying to keep Peninsula and you know, trying to keep the golf course uh, and trying to get two clubs Absolutely. to merge. Mm-hmm. But uh, look, I think it's the way of the future for a lot of the courses down in Melbourne. You know, when Greg Norman was flying, so many golf courses, you know, had five and six year waits to get yeah. in. It's not, it's not so anymore. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people who have the choice between being a member of a golf club or sending their kids to school yep. will uh, look after the kids. 
That's uh, right. So that's what happens these days. So uh, some of the golf courses in Melbourne and probably right around the country um, are having trouble getting members, keeping members, making ends meet. But uh, the way Kingswood and Peninsula have got together, uh, it just makes sense. And this development in Melbourne, uh, in Frankston, uh, is, is just one of the most exciting New developments, yep. even though Peninsula's been there for a long time. Uh-huh. This golf course and club could end up being the best club in Australia. Wow. That's how good it is. And I spoke to them during the week. G'day, Michael. Hey, Mark. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks, mate. The reason we've got you on is because you've changed the place, uh, not only the north but the south as well. We're hearing some unbelievable things, um, uh, particularly Marcus and, and uh, David have been telling us that these new greens that you've put in down there are just unbelievable. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, the greens, um, the greens are getting a pretty good review so far. We opened the first uh, seven holes, seven holes of back nine uh, last week, the week before. Um, I guess uh, you know the the brief really was for us was it started out as more of a, a I guess um, maintenance based. So one, one of the things you know one of the things synonymous with sandbelt golf is, you know, firm, fast greens. Mm-hmm. And we never really had those down at, on the peninsula site. And um, when the merger took place, uh, there was an opportunity to start looking at, you know, all the different aspects of the golf course from drainage to, to the greens to the bunkers and trying to extract that final, you know, 15 or 20% of potential out of, out of both courses. And you know you're only as good as the as the land you're on, and you know how good the land is down there. It's Phenomenal. probably one of the best sites. That's right, outside one of the best sites on the sandbelt. So um, yeah, we started work about a year ago, um, and so far um, everyone's um, pretty impressed with the result. But I think as we get closer to the end of this year, when the full south course opens, is when it's really going to start to blow people away. Yeah, Michael. Craig Spence here. I've I've been impressed with the pictures I've seen you tweeting along the process because if we go back if we go back a while we had Peninsula when it was Peninsula had very very um, it wasn't sandbelt type greens particularly on that south course and and the pictures I've seen that you've tweeted thus far have been very very traditional very big bunkering um, tell us a little bit about how you tried to go about the design aspect. Yeah, well, I guess it was a... I mean, we did quite a bit of work there 10 or 15 years ago and it improved both courses quite a lot. I mean, the north went from being, you know, not really regarded as a as a, as a great course. It was outside the top 100 and it's now, you know, well inside the top 20. And, and the south, you know, improved as well, but they were kind of a mixture of styles. I mean, there was new holes and new greens and there was old greens and there was old greens that had been done up a little bit and, and it kind of lacked that continuity and there were a few you know um quite severe greens um uh, yeah i guess it, it lacked that common style so in rebuilding all the greens we've been able to address that so there's this consistency there the bunkering varied a little bit too and it it missed out on that i mean one of the reasons royal melbourne feels so big the scale of that place feels so um yeah, so so yeah. large is the bunkers. They're huge bunkers around the green. So the bunkers are probably bigger, and they're a bit more kind of sculptural, a bit more interesting, the shapes of mm. The other thing on the south has been, I don't know whether you've seen any photos, but um, has been the creeks. We've really made the creeks a feature of, of that side. We've actually had a stonework. Stone all the stonework, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so a stonemason who's based on the peninsula has been helping us and to give that kind of... Uh, you know the, the stacked stone at, on yeah. 13 at Augusta around the yep. creeks there? So that's... Yeah, that's a real feature of the South as well. 
Marcus uh, Marcus Fraser is with us, Michael, uh, the number sixty six player in the whole world. At the he moment. Is. Oh, I can't be believe. Yeah, you know uh, don't talk to me about that just at the moment. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you're at the players championship this week, but they only take the top fifty. I was sure they took the top one hundred players in the world. Anyway, that doesn't matter because um, you're the touring pro down there, but you've seen all the working, you've watched it progress, and and you were telling me off air before that you think it's going to be the best golf course and club in Australia. Oh, there's no question it'll be the best club in the country. There's no, I have no doubt whatsoever that that, that will be the case. And I think the, uh, I think as long as we can get the length into the north course, I think, uh, not we, but Michael mm. and the and the team down there that um, um, are doing the job. I think as long as we can get the the length into the north course, I think the north course will probably sit amongst the top three courses in the country. It, uh, it I mean. As Michael knows, it uh, you know that piece of land is I think as good a piece of land as I've yeah. seen anywhere in the world, and it's comfortably uh, right alongside Royal Melbourne as a piece of land to to put a golf course. And it's just a I think it uh, you know a golf course just uh, you don't have to do too much, and it uh, sits perfectly on that yeah. land. You're also telling me that the quality of the greens, not just the contours, and, and that's what Michael's all about, but the quality of the green. You've never seen anything like it. No, no, it's uh, it's there. By far the best. Uh, those seven greens that are in play at the moment are by far the best greens I think I've ever putted on in, um, in 14 years of playing professional golf. So, what are they uh, called, Michael? Uh, it's a bent grass called Pure Distinction. Oh. So, <laughs> great name. Say no more. It's a great name. Where'd you get it from? Well, it's a good story with that. So Augusta is A1 bent grass. A1's the same grass at Kingston Heath. Right. And um, over time, it kind of um, colonises out into it because it's a hybrid and they... They picked one of the little, you know how it goes kind of blotchy, how green yep. kind of go blotchy? Yeah. Yep. They picked one of the blotches that they thought was really good, and that's pure distinction. That's where it came from. So it kind of stems back to Augusta. So, so you've got, you've got a, a bit of a hybrid patch at Augusta. Yeah. Why is it so good? Does it creep more or does it sit straight up? What's the story? Uh, it, it's really fine. I, I haven't seen many bents like this that are so fine. It's kind of a lightish colour, but it's just such a consistent look. I mean, I know some of the members that saw it just felt like it was synthetic grass. Like, it was such a, an amazing look um, to it. Yeah, it's quite yeah, it's quite phenomenal, really. Uh, I reckon one of the best things that uh, you blokes do at uh, Ogilvy... I've got to get it right. Ogilvy, it Clayton, right. Cocking and Mead. One of the best things that you guys do, you, you turn golf courses into, into second-shot golf courses, which I think is really important. Kingston Heath's yeah. like it. Uh, you're talking about before just the size of Royal Melbourne, and when you get to Augusta, it's the same. It's the size. They're, all, they're both second-shot golf courses. Yeah. How much focus did you put on But this being a second-shot course? Oh, quite a lot. I mean, the sand belt's pretty much, you know, it's a pretty classic they're pretty classic strategies, really. I mean, it's some of the purest strategic golf courses in the world. And, you know, it's a, it's a simple theory that they're wide fairways. They're pretty generous fairways. So they're some of the most playable tournament courses anywhere in the world. And greens are, are tilted or tipped to favour a shot from one side of the fairway or the other. And then around that place, you, you generally arrange your hazards. So it tempts people into playing close to trouble to get the best line. And you've got heaps of room to play away from it, but a really difficult second. So, you know, it's no coincidence that you know, Mackenzie was involved with Augusta, designed Augusta, designed Royal Melbourne and, and had such an influence over the rest of the Sandbelt. So there is that sort of common thread between all the Sandbelt courses and Peninsula won't be any different or Peninsula Kingswood won't be any different. Uh, Michael, you talked about Augusta. They've yeah. got some of the best practice facilities we've ever seen anywhere, particularly that new practice range they built. What's, what's, the, what's the facilities going to look like that you're going to build out there? Uh, I... Not into making bold claims, but I think the facilities down there will be the best in the country. 
that'll be that'll be unbelievable. Um, it's you know you've got such a big driving range there. You know it's two hundred and eighty or three hundred meters long. It'll be a range similarly to the to the Augusta model. So we've used bunkers and greens. We're actually building at the moment to kind of simulate the same sort of shots you get on the golf course. Yeah. So you know I mean driving ranges years ago were just somewhere where you could take a few swings swings to warm up. Whereas now the same sort of attention is going to practice facilities as out on the course. And and people are trying to simulate and trying to, you know, inspire people to go and practice. So give them the same feeling as they're out on the golf course on the range. And then on the, on the you know that course well, um, Spencey, but where the yep. maintenance facility is on the other side will be a, quite a big pitching short game facility yep. um, and putting green as well. And then up near the clubhouse, there'll be putting greens too. So it'll be a... Yeah, pretty amazing area, really, where you can practice. Fascinating chat, Marco. I might take a break and then come back and talk about golf courses around Australia merging with other courses because I think it's a fascinating discussion. It makes sense. It makes sense. But some of the clubs have done it and it doesn't make sense. I'll I'll, I'll explain the difference. I'll explain the difference when we come back. You've got to be careful. Mm. You've got to be careful. Let's talk about that next. This is the Clubhouse right across Australia. In your have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. You certainly are, right across Australia. My name's Julian Bayard. Mark Allen is here as well. We're talking all things golf. And Marco, a really great chat uh, before the break about golf courses merging and the sort of traditions and what you have to uphold between mm. the two courses when well, they merge. But I want to ask you about clubs merging because we're seeing it so often and you hear a lot of talk about potential merge uh, yep. potential clubs merging going down the track and perhaps um, in Victoria anyway um, clubs who are down on the peninsula wanting a metropolitan courses for their members as well because yeah. it's so far to travel and that happens across Australia as well yeah. so tell us about well, what clubs are doing now and why it's becoming so popular what what the danger and we've we've seen a couple of things down in Victoria uh, the danger about selling up and then going further out and building what some people would call their dream golf course, mm-hmm. a championship golf course. Uh, the danger with that is is that being a member of a course that is local is fantastic yeah. for so many reasons. One, um, it's not far to go to. Two, you know, you can play after work and get home pretty safe. Three, you know, the kids can, can get there and get home reasonably. But when you sell that block of land up and then take this golf course to an outer region where no one lives, then a, a, a lot of the things, you, you're taking a lot of the things away from the membership, yep. the core of the membership, who joined this golf course because they were local. Mm. So, you know, if if a golf club is in town or in a city suburb and it's not doing so well, uh, and we see some golf courses like that right around the country at the moment, um, somebody's got to take one for the team. If there are two clubs merging... Yep. Um, and, and and that one is the hard bit because it's a bit like your football club taking up and merging. I mean, some people get really attached. Well, they and, do, yeah. And the vote, you know, in a lot of these cases, the vote needs to be 75% yep. to, to actually get something mm-hmm. to happen. But we've seen a few models down in Victoria where they've sold up, they've built their golf course, you know, you finally get out to play it a little bit and because it's so far out and, you know, maybe the, the cold, you know, icy conditions of a winter in the morning... And we're seeing golf courses where you're hitting off a downslope, where club members are hitting a three-iron off a downslope and there's water carries. Yeah. So they've gone from playing their nice, friendly little golf course <laughs> where they're hitting, you know, three woods to the corner and a nine-iron in. Yeah. And golf's a picnic for everybody and enjoyable 
to now they're going to these, we're going to build you a championship golf course. It's another 20 minutes out, which, you know, the 20 minutes out ends up being 35 minutes. And they finally get out there and they're lugging their golf bag around this up and hill, downhill. If all they then avoid that, they've got to get a buggy and yep. all of a sudden their free round of golf that costs five bucks for the sandwich and a $2 comp entry mm-hmm. is now becoming a $35 affair and they're hitting three irons, like I said before, off a downslope trying to carry the water. That's right. And now nobody wants to play. And then you've got the other side of the argument, Marco. No one wants to play. Whereby you've got the exclusive golf club and members of the exclusive golf club who might have paid upwards of 10, 15 grand yep. joining fee, yep. having members from what they consider a, a lower golf club, Riffraff, joining their club because yep. they were members of the other club and getting automatic membership rights. Yeah, that's so, the other. so that's madness. So the, what, the, what, what I see, and there are, there are a few chances for this to happen. If there are three clubs, uh, close by that need to merge well it's it's all about talking one of those clubs into saying we're going to sell your land mm-hmm. you know there might be a golf course where there are six holes that you can't sell because of the flood you know mm-hmm. the 100 year flood or whatever yep. um, so you, you might be able to sell off 12 holes of a golf course you've just got to someone's got to take it someone's got to take one and then you could have the three memberships being Involved in two clubs, yep. which makes much more sense. So the model of selling your course and our club will go build another course, I don't think it works. The model of one course uh, one course flogging their land to become part of a two-club system or a two-course system definitely works. But there really is the opportunity for super clubs in all major cities now to where if you've got you know two beautiful golf courses and somebody from another golf club you know you don't want to sell off the two beautiful ones but our membership and our waiting lists and our bank balance doesn't isn't adding up at the moment then they can get the cash injection from selling up a smaller club now that smaller club who cares if they are considered riffraff? I mean, really, when you go down there and play, I've never been to a club where it feels like there's riffraff no, anywhere. Well, it's just the prestige factor that people yeah have. that they the fall into, yeah. and then look, that's forty years ago. Yeah, that that it still exists. That thinking is forty years ago yeah. rubbish. It still exists. Absolutely, it does still exist. You're right, Julian, but that's what you have to get your head around. Mm-hmm. So somebody from that smaller club probably has to, you know, do their due. Do, Diligence, get around to all the members, say, hey, listen, here's a chance that we could be part of these two clubs. But we've got to sell up. We've got to lose our name. But have a look where we're going to be. Look what you're going to be entitled to. Look where you're going to be. Yeah. Um, And the other one is when you do that, there needs to be equal rights for everybody. We've seen another model down here in Victoria, and I I hate to bang out about the Victorian ones, but they're the ones I know, where there was almost a takeover of two clubs and then they're asking the two members of the other two clubs to wait in line or they didn't get mm. the eight. I mean, that was never, ever, ever, no. ever going to work at any stage. So, look, there there are hurdles for all clubs. There yep. are hurdles for some of these members who have been longstanding and, and great members of golf clubs in this town. But at some stage, if you want things to work, if you want everybody to be happy, if you want to play on the conditioned golf courses that you dream of, well, you need money for that to happen. That's right. So... It's hard. It's hard to get everybody on the one mm. pointing in the one direction, but uh, I think eventually there are some golf clubs in all cities that are going to look at each other and go, "Well, 
We're stuffed if, if we don't survive, do this. We have to do it. We are stuffed. We're going to lose everything. So yep. why don't we do this? I mean, you know, maybe you know, look. It's awkward, but we're going to see more of it in the future. So I think I think most clubs now are on board where they have to. We've seen a couple of models that do not work, mm-hmm. and now it's down to this. Okay, we've got three clubs here. Let's get three clubs into two. That model will work. Yep. If Cash injection. If we can all live with each other. And, you know, <laughs> if you don't live with point. each other, then you're all going to be stuffed anyway. So yep. you might as well get along. All right. Fascinating. Five, next five years is going to be huge for golf. And yeah, it is. Golf courses is. and memberships. And it is, mate. It is. Yeah. It is. And, you know, a lot of these clubs, they can sell one of these smaller courses for $30 million. And then the two other courses may already have clubhouses already done. Yeah. I mean, they might get the in cash injection of 3 or $4 million each. You're using the one staff. You, you know, you're using it all. They've still got twenty million in the kick. Yeah. I mean, then you can go buy yourself the golf course down the road. You know, the beach course. <laughs> yeah. Either Peninsula here in Melbourne, or yep. you know, up uh, in Queensland, it could be you know north or south. Yeah. Sunshine Coast or Gold Coast. You can buy one of these small ones and have the holiday course as well. Tell you, what, you just need to get the inside word on the uh, the local track that's going to get bought out by the the big one. Yeah. So you can get yourself a little. Cheapo membership in there. Would be handy, Jules. An Would inside be. word somewhere, Marco. If Give you can get the somewhere. inside word, you can. You can. Hey, uh, you got a masterclass? Yes, I'm all set for the masterclass. Get ready for this one. Straight after the break, this is the Clubhouse. Marco's Masterclass. Welcome back to the Clubhouse. It is time for Marco's Masterclass, and we do it all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north, and you can play Melbourne's newest golf course, Club Mandalay. Green fees available seven days a week. It's just 20 minutes from Melbourne Airport up the Hume mm. Highway. Clubmandalay.com.au, Melbourne's newest golfing experience. I'm going to put my hand up, Jules, yes. and say that I was wrong for a long time. Wow. Don't often hear that on radio. But I was a professional golfer, and I had to believe in what I believed in. Yes. So... The kids these days and some of the better coaches around, they've been, what I used to say, peddling the idea of chipping and using the bounce on your sandwiches. Right. I didn't believe in this because I used to practice a lot my chipping, mm-hmm. a lot, and I didn't, I didn't miss hit chips too often. Yep. But now- What were you using? I was using a very low bounce lob wedge or a very low bounce mid wedge okay. or a- very low bounce pitching wedge. Yep. Low bounce because you can actually, when the bounce is low, you can hit the ball higher on the face, yep. which gave you more spin. Mm-hmm. Very important to control the golf That's ball. That's right. Because if you spin the ball when you chip, the first bounce doesn't bounce. A bounce can go anywhere. Yeah. When you spin the ball when you chip, it skids. Yep. The first bounce skids, and if the first bounce skids, quite often they stay online much, much better. Yep. It's a better way to chip. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm just a chopper, like everybody else, oh, yeah. and I just what, play, and I two. play <laughs> just once a week, and I don't do any chipping practice whatsoever. Um, I found that my old technique of putting the ball a long way back, putting the hands forward, um, and not using any bounce whatsoever, and I was uh, I was being shown up as a fool because mm. it's very hard to do it that way unless you're practicing all the time. So now I move the ball forward when I chip. Really. And I have employed sand wedges with high bounce. Once upon a time, low bounce, and you look in most pros' bags, if you did 10, 15 years ago, they're all low bounce. These days, the high bounce is taking over because you actually can't, it's very, very hard to hit a shot, hit, hit a shot fat yep. because the bounce is like you know, a ski yeah. ramp almost. You just, the, the club doesn't dig in mm-hmm. unless, of course, you're chipping into the grain on the cooch, and that's a whole different story. Yep. But if you have heard the term... Chipping and using the bounce before, 
Well, you actually need bounce to do it, but two, you need to move the ball forward in the stance right. to really take advantage of it. If the ball's back, then the leading edge of the sand iron will dig in. Mm-hmm. But if the ball's a little bit more forward, you'll have a chance of avoiding this. Yes. So if you've read about using the bounce and a high bounce sand iron, well, these days, if you're not doing any chipping practice or very little chipping practice, then I highly recommend... Um, that you use this technique, right. which is moving the ball a little bit more forward. You still do you know, the same basics mm-hmm. as when you chip. But if you move the ball forward and you use a sand iron with a heavy bounce, so a lot of bounce, you'll very rarely hit a shot fat. And if you, don't, you hit the shots fat, then your confidence goes through the roof. Again, again though, if you can putt and you're only a little bit off the fringe, mm-hmm. go ahead and putt. It's just so much easier. When... You're moving the ball forward, Marco. Mm-hmm. Where's your weight? Always point? still on the left side. Yep. Yeah, always so still, still on the left on. side. Yeah. yeah. So This I, is a, obviously yeah. the right hand. I used to always have the ball back behind my toes. Yeah. So if you open the stance up, I would put the ball a long, long, mm-hmm. long way back. But these days, just a little bit forward with a club that's got bounce on it. And like I even, I even got, I, I'm now at the point where I'll get a 58-degree sand iron and I'll open it up. I'll bend it to where it's a 59 or a 60, and that actually increases the loft again. So it's be, it's become a very important game for me not to look like an idiot on the golf course. I don't like hitting... No, well, no one enjoys that. I don't like hitting sh- shots fat. <laughs> pitching, 50% of pitching my game is that, Marco. Or so. chipping. Uh, but if you are listening and you do a lot of chipping practice and you are wanting to be a very, very, very good player, then it's a whole different ball game. Yep. If you're a chopper like me and, and you don't practice your chipping... Then use the high bounce technique and move the ball a little bit forward. You still got to hit the ball late. You still got to have a little bit of lag. You still got to do all that sort of stuff, but don't be a sucker with the low bounce stuff and putting the ball back. It doesn't work anymore. I like it. Something yeah. different. Admitting you're wrong. Don't often hear that on radio. I'll tell you what. Not too often, mate. Not too often. Your mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. <laughs> hey, uh, that was the Marco's Masterclass from Mandalay Golf Course, Melbourne's newest yeah. golfing experience in the north. So, Marco. The model, the model of the story is: if you're going to get some new wedges anytime soon, ask for high bounce. High bounce. High bounce. If you don't, if you, if you're not doing much chipping, and you're going to get some new sand irons, get the high bounce sand irons. Everyone's doing it. Yep. Fascinating. I love it, Marco. We're out of time. See you, buddy. Looking forward to the rest of the players' championship. Yeah. It's going to be huge. And then, uh, well, if I see Ricky Fowler wearing these high tops one more time, mate. <laughs> If Come you, on, Ricky. If I play with you anytime soon and you're wearing the high tops, that's it. We're we done? We're done. All right. Over. Might not be welcome back. See you, bud. <laughs> See you next week. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.